Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Entree Architect community, welcome to the backstage area of Context and Clarity. Every Thursday afternoon on Context and Clarity Live, Catherine McPhail and I and our live audiences that are joining us from all across the internet, we get to talk to a special guest to search for clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect, no matter what your context is. You may be the employee of a firm that's dreaming of doing your own thing. Or you may have had your own firm for a year or 10 years or 20 years, and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. Every week, we cover topics that fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture. And they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of entrepreneur architects just like you. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff Eccles, and what you're about to listen to is the audio recording of a conversation that my co-host Catherine McPhail and I had to break down this week's Context and Clarity live conversation. So thanks for joining us as we share our biggest takeaways and look for ways to apply what we heard in the Context and Clarity live conversation to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked with Ryan Frederick, but this episode is a little bit different because we talked with Ryan live from the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting in Austin, Texas. Ryan is the CEO of Smart Living 360, the author of Right Place, Right Time, and he was the closing keynote speaker for this year's Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting. In true context and clarity fashion, where everything is really just a grand experiment, we hosted the conversation for our in-person audience at the conference and for our online audience, just like we do every Thursday afternoon. And I thought it was pretty fun to talk to our speaker right after his talk and involve our audience in a little follow-up conversation. So you'll have to let us know what you think about it. 
And I also have to say, Ryan rolled with the tech changeover and the format change from his talk to our sit down very graciously. So big thanks to Ryan for all of that. But shifting to the content of Ryan's talk and our conversation, I really enjoyed having a, uh, can I say, non-architect talk with us about the power of place. His view of the impact of the spaces that architects and others create and the connections that turn out to be so important looking from a health and societal perspective. I thought that was very refreshing. Of course, Catherine McPhail was at the conference and she joined me on stage with Ryan and again backstage afterward. Catherine is my co-host and she's an architect and podcaster in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. In addition to Context and Clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from the conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Ryan Frederick, CEO of Smart Living 360 and author of Right Place, Right Time. A lot of us architects, we actually address aging in place issues and people who are deciding to invest more in their home so they can stay in their home. So it's interesting to hear from him because he's not a designer, so he's not coming from that perspective. So is he more of a sociologist, would you say? Yeah, I would say he falls, definitely falls more in that camp. I don't know technically, you know, if if that's what he would call himself, but uh, I think that that is a very good distinction. He's not a designer. He doesn't look at it in terms of, uh, although he did bring up blocking, I guess, and in houses, you know, put the blocking in. It's cheaper now. So, so he understands design, but I think he comes at it. Yeah, I think I think sociology is a good way to look at it, a good way to say it. My big takeaway from his talk and our conversation was that he really thinks a lot about connections. And I, I think that's, and I guess I should explain that, but I think that's one of the big differences, you know, whereas architects may be thinking about, okay, well, the accessibility parts of it, uh, blocking in the walls, certainly door openings, th- those types of physical aspects. Ryan talks about things like uh, social connections and connections to an environment, connections to a community. Uh, so, I, you know, I think... I think he's really sort of looking at it maybe at a at a 30,000 foot view in what's actually necessary for us to to thrive as we get older. So I I thought that was that was kind of an interesting twist on it. Yeah, and they, he talks about our mental health and financial health and our physical location and everything too. So and he was saying that I mean, I know people have always lived a long time, some people, but average has been lower. So that in, what was it, like the 2050s, it'll be, average will be mid-90s, and that maybe people will live to be, did he say 130, or did I just imagine that? No, he cited he cited a study or a paper or something where someone projected that by a certain date, and I don't remember if it's 2050 or what the date was, but you could you could potentially have grandparents being 130 years old, their children being 110 years old, and then, or, or, you know, living, living to that point, I guess. And then the grandchildren in this 
context being 90 years old. So now all of a sudden you have 90 year olds caring for 110 or 130 year olds. And I'll be honest, when he said that, I, I, you know, in my mind, I went, yeah, I'm out. Me too. <laughs> I, I, I think I actually said that. I was like, oh, no, nope, that's enough. It's kind of like finding out that your flight home is canceled after a vacation, that you're ready to go home. Like, I don't need to stay. I don't even want to stay another two. I mean, I'm not saying I want to die, but I just, the idea of being 130, I haven't been pacing myself for 100. So 130 seems like a lot more time. I mean, I guess it comes down to your your mental and physical capacities and your quality of life, certainly. But, and, you know, maybe maybe this is small-minded because they're, they're thinking as as our mental and physical health improves and our healthcare improves, or, you know, that automatically makes me raise my hand and say, is it really? But, um, in, in the United States, but, but the, my only frame of frames of reference are that, you know, I, I looked at, I watched my dad's dad who was, I, th- I think he was in his eighties and, and then my dad's mom who had Parkinson's, you know, and th- that deterioration, they, they weren't, they weren't close to a hundred years old. My wife's grandma is the, the um, only person that I've ever known, or I remember that I've known that lived to almost, she was six weeks short, but she was almost 105. And, you know, she had fantastic mental and physical capacities until about 103. And to me, what a spectacular life. Um, fantastic for her. The last couple of years, not so great. That's what happens, I suppose, when we're uh, getting to the end. If if we, um, you know, sort of deteriorate all the way to the end. But, you know, looking at those in my family that are more like in their mid-80s or maybe pushing 90. I mean, I've got an aunt right now that's, that's 90 uh, that, that's actually doing quite well, but... Uh, if, if you're going through dementia for years and years and years, or like my dad's dad, who had a number of strokes along the way, I, no, I'm out. I have no interest. I know I have no control over it. Well, I mean, I can take care of myself and things like that, but ultimately I have no control over it. Um, so the, that whole part of the conversation made me feel tired. My grandmother's a hundred right now and she's not Mentally, she's in some other world. Anyway, Ryan has a book that talks about all the aspects of like choosing your place. He has this assessment and everything where you decide if where you live feels like home and thinking about your social groups and your financial situation and everything. And so really putting a lot of thought into how you're going to age and where you're going to age for a better quality of life. Like interesting. And he had a couple of different ideas for uh, housing types. Yes. I- so the book is, uh, the title of the book is Right Place, Right Time by Ryan Frederick, which is F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K. Yeah. And, and he, he did, um, he did talk about housing types. And again, this, this is, this is how my mind is connecting it, which <laughs> is connections, you know, cause he talks about that quality of life. And as you mentioned earlier, it's, you know, when we have connections, social connections and, and physical, like sense of place, kind of connections that helps with our our mental well being, our physical well being, and as we heard actually from Joyce Martyr earlier in the conference too, our mental well being really impacts our financial well being. So it kind of tied together in a little, uh, little bit. But but the idea of 
of the housing types uh, where we could live to an extended age, I suppose, and still have those um, the social and the physical connections. I've always, I've always, so living very near downtown Indianapolis with sidewalks and urban fabric, you know, connections, things like that. One of the things that's always puzzled me is moving out to the suburbs and I grew up in the suburbs, so I get this, but we still had, we still had sidewalks in our, in our, uh, village is what it was called outside of Chicago. Uh, we had sidewalks and, and we could walk places and ride bikes places. And you could go to a grocery store or something, a market and pick things up. But I look at the suburbs around here and by and large, you can't do that. And I think that's part of Ryan's point is if you're, if you're aging, maybe you can't drive, maybe you don't drive. What happens when you're in a place like that, you're essentially on an Island and and that's where where it becomes problematic, I guess. Well, but then I brought up the metaverse, how you don't have to be alone with the metaverse. He didn't. We didn't go down that road. He didn't. He didn't like that. But that's what I really believe that we he can. Didn't bite. He didn't bite. But Jeff, someday if we're too old to leave our houses. I can still play a game with you or cards or chat with you in the metaverse at the old at the uh, senior center that I want to build. I mean, wouldn't that be? I to me that seems like such a nice way to connect with people without having to leave your house. Yeah. I'd... I agree. I mean, I think that is a maybe not so futuristic at this point, uh, but not so futuristic way to make social connections. You know, it leaves out the physical connections aspect of it, I guess. But but um, but those social connections are are still going to be huge. Yeah. And I think the fact that we as a society are thinking a little bit more about how people age, the idea of people growing old and just living in this cobwebby sort of place all by themselves, I think is an idea of the past thinking more about alternatives to nursing homes or people just living lonely by themselves, which is great. In many cases, people are just super socially isolated. You know, I mean, sad situations where you walk in and levels of a house are not being used ever and they're all on the first floor and they're not it's just it's and they had too much stuff and that gets in the way and so this idea of of moving though from a often a single family house to an apartment can be abrupt for a lot of people particularly if they haven't been in apartment living you know previously or even in congregate living and so i i, I it's been happening for a while but i do see uh, increasing popularity of just a cottage among other cottages, maybe it's a, um, a pocket neighborhood. Uh, you know, you're seeing build for rent uh, being, you know, real popular product type today where it really came out of the, the Great Recession. What if we built homes that are purposely, you know, to rent? Another, another piece of this related to it is traditional senior living communities where they're adding more cottages to their campuses. So again, there's the idea, well, I have now a plan for care, what I might need, but I have my own place. I have my own four walls, and, and, but still amidst the community. One la last caveat on this we need to be mindful of is, uh, which again goes back to place, but more, I would say, the, the regional or metropolitan level is just access to, to. And so if your plan is to have more of a home for life that you've designed, um, you know, talking about our conversation earlier, What's your access to people if you need care or maintenance, even on your property down the road? What does that look like? I, I think all of it is a maybe a good reminder of 
why we were in Austin last week. I mean, this was the first time that our community, many of us, had had the opportunity to get together and meet each other in person. And I think one of the things, so so there's that social connection and suddenly it became a physical connection in a way in terms of proximity. But then I, I think it's also a good reminder of, of what this community, this Entree Architect community truly is, is a, a community that's of like-minded people, I suppose, if if we want to say it that way, that are invested in each other, right? In helping each other and and caring for for each other. And I, I think that's, you know, even though we, this would have been a fun game, you know, who's traveled the furthest and where did you come from? But people from all over the country showed up in Austin for this. You know, I was also thinking about the fact that I think there were seven from my mastermind group, seven of us that were in Austin. And again, like many of our stories, we, our core group and our mastermind have been meeting together for, I think, six years, maybe seven years now. And there were quite a few of us that had never met in person before, but we got there and, um, you know, met each other like old friends, longtime friends, and there were hugs and there were things like that. And I was, maybe this is a little bit morbid, but I was thinking, what's it going to be like at some point when somebody passes? Mm-hmm. Well, we already experienced that in our community. Yes, we we did. John Kenny, you know, a, a beloved member of our community passed. And, and you know, it's life. It's going it, to, more and more of that's going to happen. Um, as the dominoes begin to fall. But I think about, you know, the more than your immediate family and the friends in your hometown or, you know, whoever, whoever your friends are in a community like this, more than just those people are going to really care and, and and mourn and miss you and and things like that. And I think, again, an, an illustration of the power of this community, 150 people in that room who if if someone if someone were to not be there next year they're going to they're going to be missed and i think that's really important in terms of our our human connections and there are lots of lots of different communities out there but this is just another example of of how we're able to and how we thrive through those connections we were talking about context and clarity one day at the hotel after the conference in austin and whoever we were with was not someone who was familiar with context and clarity and didn't realize because there was a group of us who we talked together twice a day sometimes. I mean, once on Clubhouse where we actually hear each other's voices and then the other where we're conversing through you, basically, which is its weird thing in itself. But um, yeah, so we all I feel like they're part of my life and they are a connection. They're almost literally people I work with because they're there every day in my work space because I see them from my office and really that connection really does mean a lot it has it does mean a lot to my life so you're right I would miss any of those people if they weren't there anymore but the other architect who was there was just amazed that that's what we do well I was kind of amazed you hadn't heard of it but beyond that he was amazed that we all knew each other that well you talk every morning every morning and like yeah every weekday morning and then you go again on the like at four o'clock I guess you just felt like how can you find the time I got that sense like how do you find the time but also just like 
I don't know that he knew what to think about it because it is so, it made sense during COVID that we would do that, but we still do it. I can understand somebody looking at that and being a little bit bewildered by that if they, you know, if, if they weren't part of it from the very beginning. Because, you know, the, as you said, the context from the beginning was that it was at the beginning of COVID and, you know, what else, <laughs> in some sense, what else were you going to do? Well, for sure. That's the way it started. I had nothing else to do that afternoon. I'm I'm with you. The fact that 640 some conversations later, it's still going. You know, I, I said last week, I, I still, you know, some days I'll, I'll hit the button to start and wonder if this is the day that I'm going to show up by myself, right? It's surely this is, is going to play out, right? It's, it's not, but it keeps going and it keeps going. And, and I, you know, it's back to those connections and, and back to community. Many of us, when we, um, when we hear the term community or when companies, you know, software companies are famous for this, talking about community and what software companies stereotypically build and call a quote unquote community is a message board that allows them to get free customer support through their customers. And that's not at all what we're talking about. We're not talking about community in terms of proximity either. We're talking about like the, the, I think the most full definition of people connecting with and caring about other people and sharing um, their knowledge and their advice and their experience and their wisdom, you know, just, just unabashedly with, with everybody else um, and, and investing in everybody else as much as in themselves. I mean, that's the level of community that we're, we're talking about. And I, I, I would venture to say there are a lot of people that have never experienced that before. Well, I don't think I really had before, before this. I mean, there's that whole idea that architects are proprietary of all their systems and information and all the rest of it. And Entree Architect, the Facebook was already different than that. So it was already a place where I could feel safe writing questions or answering people's questions. And so there was already that thing going, but, but, you know, it's not, typically known in our industry to be helping each other very much. So I mean, I think it's great. And, you know, I love my friends who are all over the country who I am personally friends with now. And a lot of them will, will text each other or talk outside. There's nothing to do with architecture and they're just my friends. So anyway, anyway it was a great thing. So this whole thing of planning your life in a way, like Ryan was talking about, how are you going to be able to keep up those connections and in your physical space? How does that help or hurt your your ability to connect with people wasn't he talking about front porches i've actually been in the area that he's talking about to study the uh community design there but yeah he was he was talking about uh homes with front porches where people uh, which that's exactly our neighborhood is exactly like that people are out on their porches we have uh we have great front porches in this in this neighborhood and people are out there and um, our houses are so close together um, that, you know, you're just talking from porch to porch and um, you can talk to the people that are walking by on the street, you know, walking their dogs or whatever and um, making those connections in that way. Yes, yeah, a question earlier, who's in the aging in place kind of focus? I think there's at least one yeah. gentleman that raises his hand. I, I would argue that 
you're all in that business. And the reason why you're on that business is because of the question you just asked, like, hey, decent chance, you know, you're going to be living to 100. Like, how do you think about that? Part of it is like the right, being thoughtful designing. Can, even, even like the front porch example I had, are there things you can do to make it easier to have spontaneous, you know, social connection with others? Like those things, they really can make a difference. I mean, that's really important. Even the proximity of the house to the street, which affects the streetscape and your sense of space and safety and everything when you're on the street. It also just allows that interaction between the house and the past pe people passing by your neighbors, you know, so it's better to be close to this. Yeah. Yeah. In it, terms it, of connection. It really is. I mean, it's, and that's, that's one of the reasons I love those types, doing those types of projects, because in a way, I guess a lot of times we were bringing back a piece of, a piece of the past. I mean, there are a lot of, or I don't know about in Massachusetts where you are, but around here, a lot of what's being built, a lot of neighborhoods that are being built aren't like that at all. Like I said, a lot of them don't have sidewalks or, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so when, when I had the opportunity to work on those types of projects, it, it really felt like we were doing more than just designing houses, you know, maybe mixed use or apartments. It was, we really were looking at it on a, on a community and, and connection scale. When we think about pushing our society forward, you know, I think what what you're describing with the the big front lawns and, you know, what I've described, you know, the no sidewalks and all of those things, which sound like very similar situations. What does that do to our society? Where, in effect, I mean, we're we're kind of pushed into our own bubbles and far fewer opportunities to have a, a civil uh, trading of ideas or comparing of ideas, um, which, you know, I, I think is every time you open up Twitter or turn on the TV or whatever, you see that we've lost a lot of, especially the civility part of it, but we've lost a lot of that. You know, wouldn't it be great if we could get back to the point where we have these, these connections? And, you know, thinking about this, this community, um, just because we have this community that supports each other and, and um, you know, can I say loves each other and so on and so forth, it doesn't mean that everybody agrees on everything. And, and that's not necessary. But, but we are invested in, in our well-being and helping each other. And, you know, that, that's, that's the important part of it. All right. Well, now you know what we thought and what we're going to do with what we learned. But what did you think? What did we miss? I really hope that there was some big takeaway from either the Context and Clarity Live conversation or our breakdown here that will help you with your business. DM me on Instagram or Twitter and let me know what your takeaways are. You can find me on all the socials at at Jeff underscore Eccles. That's at J-E-F-F underscore E-C-H-O-L-S. So send me a message and let me know what your takeaway was. And if you want more conversations like this, subscribe to the Context and Clarity podcast where you're listening right now and leave us an honest review and a rating. Those things really do help us to get the message out and help more architects just like you. 
Oh, and also, now you can follow us on Instagram, as well as get a heads up on everything that's coming up. There, we're at context underscore clarity. In our next episode, Catherine and I will host Context and Clarity Live again with a new special guest and a new theme for the week. And we'll come right back here, backstage again, to break it all down for you again. There's always something new to look forward to. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people like you that care about the built environment. And it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know that you're going to find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And finally, if the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you and you'd like to dig deeper into it, then join me over in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations. And we take these topics, topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community, your practice, and how you can support those around you. Catherine and I will be back for our next episode. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context may be. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.